Good morning, Christ Central. I'm sorry, but that was really lame. Good morning, Christ Central. That's better. That's awesome. Before we start, I just want to join. I want I want us to join in prayer for something that it's it's a good news thing. Um, this morning in Halifax, some of you may remember our friend our friend uh, Chad McDonald. They're launching their new church in Halifax Central this morning. It's called Port City Church, and right at this moment, they're in their first meeting ever. And so, yeah, that's good news. We know that, you know, we're intending to plant into Halifax, Dartmouth, and there's room for 200 churches, right? And so we want to just bless them and encourage them. So Lord Jesus, this morning, we want to just agree with everything you're doing in Halifax, with Chad and his team as they launch Port City Church this morning. Would you bless them with your presence? Would you give them what they need? Would you provide for them, God, in every way? And Father, would you cause them to be a beacon and a light in Halifax? Would you draw people, many people, to Jesus? Amen. 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 So I just wanted to do that. I just, we're, we're kind of tied to Chad and his family, uh, some of us, and I just wanted to bless them this morning. This morning, um, oh man, I, I was almost tempted to say, Taylor, just keep going. Um, and we, we could have done that. I mean, you could have, you know, dispensed with hearing me this morning. But I do think that everything I'm going to say this morning ties in with everything we've been singing. So it's so interesting, the serendipity of God in everything that we do. And so if you're into titles... Um, and, and you know what? I only have three slides after this one, and they're all just scriptures. And I just felt like, you know what? I just don't want to be tied to a bunch of bullets. I mean, not bullet points, right? So um, anyway, I just wanted to give myself a little bit of freedom this morning. But if you're into titles, the title for this morning's message, message is What's in a Name? And it doesn't take, you know, you don't have to look too far to understand that Never before in our culture have we been more interested in genealogy, right? Genealogy and ancestry are big things. And, um, you know, there are a lot of reasons for that. I think one of the reasons that, that it's caught on so much is that, you know, that with the, with the uh, rise in the importance of technology in our lives, it's made it that much more easy for every person, if they want to, to find out their origins, right? I mean, you just look around. And, I mean, case in point, there's, there's, technologies have given us the ability to search, as they say on Ancestry.com, we can help you with 30 billion records and over 100 million family trees. And, I mean, they're on to something, right? But in addition to all of that, it's not just about technology. It's the fact that, that we have in ourselves this innate desire and hunger to find out where we come from, right? And so all across the world, people are wanting to know where they come from. And, you know, that's no big surprise. It just confirms what God's Word says. God's Word in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men and women. That He's put the desire for something bigger in our lives. And so 
outside of, if you're, if you're outside of God, that's even more, so, that's even something that reverberates even more through you, because you know there's something bigger. Now, the meanings of names, you know, we attach a certain significance to the meanings of names. Um, for example, uh, the, the name Warrington. What does the name Warrington mean? Now, they probably know what the... Now, you got to know this as well. When you look up meanings of names, there's some variants, but basically, the Warrington name is an old English name meaning, and this is kind of appropriate, actually, farmland estate. Now, I don't know if you knew that or not. No, so that's what it means. Shame on you for not knowing your name. Anyway. How many would like to know what crummy means? <laughs> of course you would. Well, this morning, just the, the name crummy. Do you know? It is special. It was given to a person with an abnormal curvature of the spine. Did you know that? Yeah. The, the surname crummy is derived from the old English word crump, which means bent or crooked. Now that's where everything ends, okay? We've redeemed that. We can't say that Joe is bent or crooked in any, in any sense. Burke, the B-U-R-K-E name. It's a title that means from the fortified settlement. Old, old German as well. Hmm. First names. First names are important. We put a, a, attached the significance to first names. Like, for example, she, she must have gone to work with the children, but Gabby. All right, so Gabby, her name comes from Gabriella, and it's an, it's, it means woman of God. That's well, pretty appropriate, right? Yeah. Emily. Her name means industrious and from the Roman root and from the Latin American root because there's different roots. It's, the, it's, it's this name that means admiring. And so it's pretty interesting, right? You can find a lot of things out. Um, Betty, for example. Where's Betty Price? Where are you? There's Betty. Betty, your name derives, of course, from Elizabeth. I don't see you as an Elizabeth, but you're Betty. And it's, I love your, the meaning of your name. It means, God is my oath. That's, yeah, cool, right? Interesting. We can find meanings and make connections that we find intriguing, and sometimes we even try to equate the meaning with who we are today and all that, you know. But do these names and meanings actually tell us anything definitive about us? I would argue they don't. Now, some of us who might be a bit hyper-spiritual might kind of get off on this and start, you can, you can assign a certain, a certain connection to that, perhaps. But I would argue it's, it's just interesting and it's, it, to, to see where your name comes from. I mean, my name, Gary, means spear, like a spear that you would throw. It's like, I have never thrown a spear in my life, right? So there's no significance, it seems, to that. <laughs> my point exactly, right? <laughs> now, now. 
I'm going to stick with the preach. So this morning, we're going to take a look at the story of Moses a little bit. And we're going to take a look at how Moses encounters God and finds out not only God's name, but finds out what God's name means. And then there's even something in addition to finding out what his name means. And this morning, folks, I got I to gotta say, like, everything that I'm going to show you out of the scripture this morning is available to us. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, you got to have to stick with me. So we have the story of Moses, who after 40 years of being away from Egypt, is called by God through an amazing experience with a burning bush. And you may remember that story. So God called out to Moses from the midst of this burning bush, and Moses answered, here I am. And it's like, yeah, I'd be, calling, I'd be saying here I am, right? God then explained through the passage, and this is in Exodus chapter 3. I'm not going to read the passage because we have too much to get through here, but that he was going to deliver the people of Israel from the Egyptians. But in all that, Moses had a hard time believing and understanding how this was going to happen. So this caused Moses to ask a question. Like, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And even more importantly, who am I to appear before my people? What am I supposed to tell them? And God answered him. He says, I will be with you. Moses then protested it further and basically said that if he went to the people of Israel and told them this, that, well, God's going to be with me, they will ask, well, if God said this, what's God's name? What's God's name? Because, you see, up to that point, God's name had not been revealed at all. We use the word God, but if you look in the, in the book of Genesis, over 32 times in the book of Genesis, actually, it's probably more like 200 times in the book of Genesis, God is referred to as Elohim. And that's, they knew, they knew that the title that the God of all gods had was Elohim. But the people would say, oh yeah? God told you, eh? Well, what's his name? Who is he? And so, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am who sent me to you. The God of your ancestors, Yahweh, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. But a more helpful paraphrase, because sometimes in our English we, we lose the actual meanings of the words. So when you say, I am who I am, or I tell them, I am sent me, you've heard that before. Something's missing from that that's actually in the original language. And a more helpful paraphrase would be to say this. Tell them that I am present has sent you. I am present. See, that exposes a marvelous truth that had been not known up to that point, that Elohim, this Elohim has a name which, is ex which expresses his nearness to the people. Yahweh. We were just singing to Yahweh. I am present. 
God's, God's presence, we, we talk about when we worship that God's presence comes. He does. Yahweh is with us. His presence, his very presence is with us. Tell them that. It's not simply that Elohim exists, but that he is near to his people in love. The whole concept is expressed all the way through the scriptures. What this basically expresses to the people is a number of things, and it's found all the way through the Old Testament, through the Hebrew scriptures. Psalm 90, verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world from the beginning to end, you were God. So this name and what it means expresses like, I've always been. That he has no cause. In Isaiah 43, it says, Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. And he has no need for sustenance outside of himself. In John chapter 5, it says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son, me, Jesus, also to have life in himself. So he needs nothing to sustain him. But he's close to his people, and he's there. Isn't that amazing? Like, it's amazing. It's like, go tell them I'm present. And guess what? God proved that he was. And he was present, and he's with them all the way through. And so they're delivered from Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea, and we all know, at least most of us would know, that the people were delivered, and Pharaoh's army followed them as the waters were parted, and the waters came in and destroyed Pharaoh's army, and they were delivered, and they started their journey through the wilderness. They came to a point, and you can read it in Exodus 31, 32, 33, fascinating reads, where the people are brought to a mountain. And in that, Moses meets with Yahweh on Mount Sinai and he's given the Ten Commandments and he interacts with God and it says in the scriptures that Moses interacted with Yahweh as his friend present with him and he laid it all out so Moses came back down to the people and just after he was given the Ten Commandments that was part of this covenant relationship, establishing this covenant relationship with the people. No sooner that he had given this, that he come down the mountain, and the people were already violating the first two commandments. You shall have no other God before me. No idols. And the people had waited long enough, they got tired of, wait, I mean, the, the story's fascinating, I don't have time to go through it this morning, but Aaron's brother, or Moses' brother Aaron, basically they blew it, and they fashioned a golden calf, and they were worshiping this golden calf because they couldn't wait for Moses. There's a number of other reasons, but at the end of the day, Moses came down, destroyed the Ten Commandment tablets that were carved out of stone by the hand of Yahweh at the top of Mount Sinai, and it's like, it's a fascinating story. Moses goes back up the mountain. God's like, I'm done with them. Moses interceded on behalf of the people. He says, if you don't go before us, we might as well pack it in. And Yahweh relented. 
And in Exodus 34, we read this beautiful interaction between Yahweh and Moses, where once again, as the Lord relents, he tells Moses that he's going to be with them. But he goes a step further. He just doesn't say, tell them, I am present is with them. He says, I'm going to tell you about myself. I'm going to tell you the meaning of my name. Just as I read out the meanings of names here this morning, when Yahweh tells the meaning of his name, it's a lot different, folks. Because guess what? There's direct connection to who Yahweh is in the meaning of his name. Right? So our scripture, our root scripture, our core scripture this morning is found in Exodus 34. I love this. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, Moses. And he called out his own name, Yahweh. Can you imagine? The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of compassion and grace. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the fourth, third and fourth generations. Wow. It's amazing, amazing description. And this passage, in its various forms, this passage is repeated all the way through the Hebrew Scriptures. You can find it. It's all the way through. You'll, whenever, whenever you see the word compassionate, it's usually in reference to this in the Old Testament, right? It's about... 20 or 25 various quotations scattered throughout. When God reveals his character in nature to Moses, he's doing something that's unprecedented. You see, it wasn't just, he wasn't just telling him what his, the meaning of his name was. He's basically saying, the meaning of my name is attached to my character. It's who I am. It's what I'm about. When you say Yahweh, what goes through your mind? And some of us have to have a bit of a reset, perhaps, on our impression of what Yahweh thinks of us and what Yahweh thinks of you. Last week, I had this, I believe it was a prophetic picture during the meeting, and I was going to share it, and I felt, no, I'm not going to share this this week. And I felt like it tied into this moment. So I had this prophetic picture of me going to the uh, optometrist. And I find the op going to the optometrist awkward because I have to sit in, sit in this chair and they put the thing, you know, the, the thing over your face with, with all the different lenses. And then 
the eye doctor gets like this far away from you. Like, I find that really awkward. And I'm always like, do I have Tic Tacs before I go in there? Like, where's a Tic Tac? Like, and then usually the eye doctor hasn't had any. And anyway, I digress. So I look through this thing, and they show me the, they show me the, the letters that I'm looking at, and they say, okay, I'm going to give you some options here. Lens one, lens two. You tell me which one is where. Yes, no, you go through that whole thing. You've been through that? Yeah. If you've gone to the eye doctor, you have. But there's one point in the eye exam, you're looking at this image, at least they show you a color image, and they say, how does that look? And I say, well, it looks kind of blurry. And last week during the meeting, I was like looking at this, it, it's, a, it's a picture of a building, as I recall, and I'm looking at this building, and I, I got to kind of squint, and he says, don't squint, can you see this? I said, well, it's all blurry. And then he goes, tick, 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 how's that look? Oh, that's cutting better, tick, 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 how's that looking? That's better, sharp, tack sharp. And last week, I just felt like some of us, when we think of what God thinks of us, it's like we're looking at a blurry picture at the optometrist's office, and what the Lord wants to do this morning and what he's doing this morning is he's got you in his optometrist seat and he's got the lens refractor in front of your face and he's doing this. He's going, I want you to see me clearly this morning. I want you to see me rightly this morning. Can you see me rightly right now? Some of you are, and, and you know what? I put, when I say some of you, I should say, like, that's an inclusive I include myself. Like, there are times when I feel like God is not happy with me, that, that I'm less than, that I, I don't measure up, and that, like, folks, I've been following Jesus now for 40 years. And there are moments even now where I have to, every morning when I get up and I, I sit in the chair, I need to sit in his optometrist's office and I need to say, Jesus, would you help me to see you rightly? I need to click, click, click and see him as he is. I need to see him for what his, what his attributes are and who he says he is. Do I believe who he says he is? And not just do I believe who he says he is, do I allow those attributes of God, of Yahweh, to instill my life and become part of who I am. Folks, can we have Exodus 34 back up? He's compassionate to you. He's full of grace to you. He expresses his compassion to you. There are some of us here this morning that are going through some deep stuff. I almost said something else, but you know what I'm talking about. It's true. Some of us are going through things we never thought we would ever have to go through. I'm full of compassion to you. I'm full of grace to you. My grace extends to you because that's who I am. My grace is sufficient. See, make the connection. My grace is sufficient for you. I am slow to anger. 
filled, filled with unfailing love, unfailing love that never will fail. Unfailing love. And faithfulness. Do you count yourself as faithful to follow Jesus? I do. But you know what? There's times when I feel like I am not very faithful. But you know what? He is faithful. He is faithful. He's an unmovable rock. He is the one that you can always rely on. I prayed it this morning. I can confidently put all the chips of my life in the center of the poker table. And I know that I can put all of it on him. And all of it, it's a sure bet. I can never go wrong because of his faithfulness. He is faithful to you. He has you where he wants you. He reveals his character to you. We can't comprehend that. I can't even comprehend that. But then, how can we comprehend that? Because it's unfathomable, incomprehensible. So when we worship the name, we sing about that all the time. We're worshiping the name, the name, the name. We're worshiping the name Yahweh, whose character is extended to us. All of the attributes of his character are to you. And to take it a step further, in case you miss it, all of the attributes of his character are found in his son because Jesus is Yahweh embodied in the flesh who walks today. He is with us. See, the compassion of Jesus is the compassion of Yahweh. And the word that, the Hebrew word for compassion, it's kind of a play on words between two words. I'm not even going to try to, re, uh, to pronounce them because I screwed up. But basically, two words, they both kind of sound the same. One is the word compassion and the other is the word womb. Yes, a woman's womb. The two kind of sound the same. It's intentional because what Yahweh wants us to know is that his love for you, his compassion for you, that his deep longing for you is like a mother's love that would want to preserve the life of its child. Mothers out there, you know what, it, like, there's this indelible, impossible to connect love that you have for your child that, that you can't even put into words. You can't even describe it. But it is so gut that it, it consumes you, the love that you have for your child or your children, for each one of them equal. Right? I love my boys. But the compassion that God has as a mother, I, 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 I don't have, like, ladies, those of you who are moms, you understand. To a point. Because the compassion that 
Yahweh has for you, as a mother who longs for his child, or her child, supersedes even yours. Chew on that one, eh? His grace, he's gracious. The Hebrew word for that talks about his graciousness being extended to you as a gift given to you. We know that grace is a gift, right? We can't earn it, we can't do it. But here's the thing. The attribute of God's willingness to give us his grace is given with delight. He gives us his grace with delight. He gives it to us because it makes him happy. It's showing favor to someone who should instead get what they deserve, but he says no. I love this one. He's slow to anger. You know what? He's slow to anger. The Hebrew literally means that God, Yahweh, is long of nose. There's examples in Scripture where the Hebrew language says that when people get angry, it's like their nose burned hot. The Hebrew language, I mean, we miss so much. I'm just learning all this stuff. Like I'm just like, what? It describes how your body, more specifically your face, gets hot when you get filled with anger. Anybody understand that one? That's why people who are long of nose are slow to get angry. It takes a while for the anger to reach the face. He's patient with us. He doesn't give us as our sins deserve. But the ultimate act of sparing the consequences of our sin is put on Jesus. So we're spared. Jesus, who died on the cross and resurrected, provided the forgiveness that Exodus 34 talks about. He is the one that provides for us new life for humanity, for us, when we're lost in our self-ruin. It's good that God is patient with us. He's loyal in his love. It's hard to translate this one, too. We say, you know, what's it say there? It says, uh, filled with unfailing love. But the Hebrew, in one word, implies all of this. Combines the ideas of love, generosity, and enduring commitment. Promise-keeping, loyalty, deep personal care. Folks, this is our our Elohim. This is our God who gives us that which we don't deserve. Faithfulness refers to his reliable and stable character. I mean, I count myself as someone who is somewhat stable. <laughs> God, Yahweh, he is stable. He is faithful, trustworthy. So we think of Exodus 34, and we immediately can fast forward to Jesus, who's slow to anger, who's forgiving of sin. He upholds justice. You see, nothing's changed. It's just that Jesus has become a way through which we receive compassion. You see, he's our touch point, because Yahweh has come to us, folks. He's here this morning. Yahweh is here in Jesus' name. He is here walking the aisles. He is here when we worship. He's loving us. He's giving us indications of his faithfulness and his grace. 
As a preacher we heard long ago in Toronto said, receive-a-lo. He's from, he's from uh, South America. He says, receive-a-lo. Receive it. This should ruin you. It ruins me. It ruins me. Over the past 2,000 years, more people on planet Earth have known the name of Jesus more than any other name. Since 33 AD, over 8 billion people, by one estimate, have claimed to be followers of Jesus. Billions more have heard of his name. Presently, the name of Jesus can be found in over 6,000 languages on Earth and more every year. For most of us, his name is a sacred ring to it. This wasn't always the case, though, because when Mary and Joseph followed the angel's instructions and gave their baby his name, it had special meaning, but it was not an unusual name. The historian Josephus mentions 12 people by the name of Jesus at the time of Jesus. There was even a high priest with the name Jesus. But Jesus was named. There were no prayers in his name, his name wasn't a swear word. No one sang songs about his name. But his name was given by design because it's derived from the Hebrew Yeshua, or Joshua, which means salvation. Hence, Mary and Joseph gave this little baby the name Jesus. Yahweh is salvation. And he is through Christ alone. And you shall call his name Jesus, the angel told Joseph, for he will save the people from their sins. You see, there's something truly special about his name because his name comes from here. Folks, his name is ageless. His name is more, he's more than a great teacher. He's more than an enlightened man. He's more than a worker of miracles, more than a, a giving us meaning in life, more than a self-help expert. He's more than a self-esteem builder. He's more than a political liberator. He's more than a caring friend. He's all of those things, but he's more, he's more than a transformer of cultures. He's more than a purpose for the purpose of us. Jesus is a savior of sinners. He's the savior of sinners of whom I am the chief. The cross is the leveler. The cross is the way that we come into relationship because he says, if you come to me, I will give you life and life to the full. What are you waiting for? Jesus came, revealed the Father to us, his heart, his love, his grace, his mercy, as if these were hidden. I've heard some say that we didn't know what God was like until Jesus came. And that's not true. Look. It's not hidden. It's always been. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 17 is beautiful because Christ is the visible image of the invisible Elohim, the invisible God. He is existed before anything was created, supreme over all creation, for through him, God created everything. Through him and for him. He holds it all together, folks. Jesus is everything. He holds your life together. He holds the lives together of those who don't know him, and they don't know that. And that's our cause. Our cause is he's given us all of these He's extended his attributes so that we become like Jesus, and in becoming like Jesus, we can become compassionate. We can become 
those who extend grace. We can become those who are slow to anger. We can become those who are faithful. We can become those who extend love and kindness to all those around us because his spirit lives within us. Even to those who we hate, even to those who have harmed us and who have done terrible things to us, we have through the power of the Holy Spirit the ability, not through Gary, but for the Holy Spirit, he can come and change you to change others. You see, this is for the sake of others that we've been saying for the past year and a half. As you spend time with Jesus, you become more like Jesus so you can do the things that Jesus does. Notice I didn't say Jesus did because he's still doing them today. He's doing them through you. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this, the Son, Jesus, radiates God's own glory. He expresses the character of God. Exodus 34, he expresses the character of God and sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. I could go on. I'm going to call Taylor up. Folks, about a month ago, and you, you guys can just start playing. Folks, seriously. Seriously. I felt for about a month the Lord put this message on my heart. And it was rooted in the scripture I'm going to read to you. It's not on the slides. I want you to hear it. It was this. It's out of Matthew 9. Jesus traveled all through the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. Folks, Jesus is traveling through your town. He's traveling through your village. And I'm not talking about your location. He's traveling through the town of your heart. He's traveling through the town of your family. He's traveling through the village of your singleness. He's traveling through all of it. And he's looking and he's announcing his good news to you. The good news of his character come in the flesh. The good news of his character and his attributes being extended to you because he loves you. He's faithful to you. Not done. There's more. Let's stand. Just feel this morning. The Holy Spirit wants to help us and respond to a few things here. Remember I said he wants us to see him rightly like we're at the optometrist's office. Some of us have some things and if you're honest, you say, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to be able to forgive. I don't know how I'm going to be able to bear through the hurt that I've got in my life. And I love God. But I just don't know how I'm going to do it. He wants to reach you this morning. Because when Jesus saw the crowds, and about a month ago, I had this picture. I was seated in my chair, 
and I looked out over our congregation and I saw this image of Jesus watching and looking over the crowds, looking over us as a people. And it says he had, Exodus 34, compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Do you feel this morning in your life, if you're honest, do you feel that you're confused? It's like, it's like, where's my shepherd? Where's my shepherd? I thought my shepherd was with me. I feel, if I'm honest, I feel like a sheep without a shepherd this morning. He says, my eyes are looking over this congregation and I'm extending to you my Exodus 34 compassion, my Exodus 34 grace, my Exodus 34 love, my Exodus 34 forgiveness, my Exodus 34 faithfulness. I'm extending it to you and to your generations. You notice it says in Exodus 34, to thousands of generations, and then later it says to the third and fourth generation, sin is affected. It's intentional. Because what he's saying there, it's like drives me crazy sometimes what some people will say. They say, oh, that's about a curse of sin in the third and fourth generation. It's actually the very opposite. What God is actually saying in his word is that my love trumps everything for thousands of generations and sin's effect is for three or four, but I'll sort that out anyway. Folks, his compassion is for you. Jesus had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great. My workers are few. And he's saying, you know what, folks? If you respond to his longing for you because he longs for you this morning, he's finding you this morning, you come and respond to him and he's going to cause you to do likewise. So I just want to pray for us. And if you're in any of those categories that I spoke about, there's nothing magical about coming forward, but we'd love to pray for you, folks. It's been a long and dry season. We'd love to pray for you this morning. If there's anything, anything, Jesus and his compassion is for you. We'd love to extend that to you this morning. So I just want to pray. And if that's you this morning, the first indication is just to acknowledge. So just with respect to everybody, just close your eyes for a moment. And you say, you know what? That's me. I've got some stuff that I'm hurting. I've got some things that I need help with. I never thought I'd find myself in this situation. And Jesus is calling you. You say, you know what? I'm looking at your life with compassion, and it goes beyond anything that you could ever imagine. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you to receive from me this morning. So as Taylor plays, we're not going to draw this out. If you would like to receive prayer this morning, you're in a safe place. Why don't you just start making your way to the front? And we're going to we're on the side, wherever you can go. It just as we know, we can pray for some people. There's some people here that love to pray for you. Why don't you make your way now? Just come. I know there are some. Go ahead, Taylor. Folks, let's respond to the compassionate view of Jesus. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how long you've known Jesus. Maybe you don't know him. He's asking you to come because he looks on your life with compassion. Go ahead.